episode of the game podcast i'm your host jerry thompson here with me are as andrew requested number 23 michael majors and number 23 andrew brown uh i'm gold <laughs> these two guys are now platinum and this is gas yeah it's real exciting i'm just so happy for everybody i'm, I'm happy for you i'm not happy for myself <laughs> well i mean i i saw you at the tournament and i watched some of your games it looked like you were giving it your all that's all you can ask for. I don't know. I definitely like wanted a game of constructed that I can think of off the top of my head, and like I don't know. I wasn't like particularly pleased with with everything I did in the actual tournament, but you know. Yeah, watching that Naya dude uh, Brisella you was uh, that was not pretty. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna dwell on the the fact that my tournament went poorly because that doesn't really change anything. We talked about this. Yeah, obviously I'm disappointed. It, it happens, man. You can't yep. win all the pro tours. So, uh, for those who haven't been paying attention somehow, uh, Andrew Brown made top eight of the Pro Tour. I, I don't know how close it was, but he squeaked in eighth place on Breakers. Four percent. Four percent? So, yeah, you knew, right? Yeah, I knew. It was a lock. Okay. So, I, I watched uh, Chion's video blog thing, and it was just like, oh, you know, Andrew won his round. He's in top eight of the tournament, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like... You know, they announced you an eighth, and it was just like, oh man, I, I didn't know if you actually had a sweat or not. But yeah, it was uh, a it was a small sweat. Maury wasn't even in the area. He 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 oh, knew. Oh, he just left. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he checked out. Fair enough. Okay, so yeah, Andrew Andrew top eighted, uh, got him all the way to platinum. Also, second pro tour top eight in a season, which Crazy. you know, it's it's not three PT top eights in a row, right? But. Uh, yeah. It's it's basically the next best thing, and it's certainly something you know I've never done. Majors have never done. Dude, you have more more pro tour top eights than the other two people on your podcast. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't consider myself better than any of you. Yeah, we're all equals, and uh, yeah. In fact, you have two times the combined number of pro tour top eights of the other two people. <laughs> well, I guess I just get lucky at uh, PTs. No, you're, you're just smart. You play good decks and, you know, good things happen. And I think that's about it. But, you know, give us give us the rundown. Let me know how your tournament went because I wasn't there. So I ended up going 4-2 in limited and 8-2 and in constructed. I played a very aggressive version of T-Merge. There was uh, three versions of it at the tournament. There was uh, the East-West Bowl version. There was the Eureka version. And then there was uh, Owens version. It was interesting. Coverage didn't really do a very good job of talking about the differences between my deck and Owen's deck within the top eight. Like they both label them as team merge or teamer emerge, but like they're extremely different and the game plans are like trying to do different things. Like I'm trying to deep fiend you repeatedly. He's trying to like, you know, like cast Emrakul and bin a bunch of his cards. So, so there, there was that Twitter thread where, uh, they're talking about the Pro Tour Gauntlet, and you're like, hey, why isn't my deck on there? And they're just like, ah, well, you know, like, yours and Owen's decks are both, like, team or merge decks or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, but they're way different. And it was like, well, yeah, but they're, like, named the same thing. Like, people don't know that they're different. And I, I just wanted to say, like, you know, that's, that's like, coverage's fault. You know, like, you guys labeled them the same. You guys did not talk about, like, the differences between them. Like, that is not a good argument. 
it's hard to be mad at that though like all right it sucks that people don't get to play with deep deep feeding their opponent repeatedly on their upkeep which is just a delight by the way but uh you know their loss <laughs> you know hard hard casting deep fiend into like flashback k return into like untap emrakul you is also fine i played a little bit with owen's deck and i i like both strats so yeah uh emrakul feels like cheating to me i only played it once on the tournament which was in the top eight, and I played my opponent's turn completely wrong. So <laughs> it's it's not easy, man. I felt real green there when I when I cast it, but it was good enough. So uh, you went four two unlimited. Was that about what you expected? It's kind of like a blessing and a curse with me. In the five pro tours that I've attended, I've gone four and two four times. Good God, you're two for five. What do you mean? You've only attended five PCs, and you top eight two of them. No, this is my sixth pro tour. Whatever. The, the other time you went like three three limited or something. Yeah, one time I went one two, and then the other time okay. I went three three. But all the other times I went four two. I've never won a pod at the pro tour. I've always two one. Yeah, we we should talk about that because I I think for a long time I was a two and one drafter. I don't want to get too much into it, but I do think that there's like a pretty big difference. Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a big proponent of easy mode drafting, although most pros like are like, oh, why would you ever easy mode draft? But I am a serious easy mode drafter. That, that's I, basically like settle into colors, put your head down and just like do that, right? Yes, I'm a huge proponent of just taking rares, any sort of rare cards, because people are normally not as familiar playing against them. So that, that's that's usually been my strategy. But like we can get into that at another episode. Maybe maybe the uh, the, <laughs> the rumored limited episode that may or may never happen. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Okay, so uh, how'd you, just like really briefly, how did you feel about the limited format? Like, I have not actually played, I don't think. I don't think I've done any drafts. I watched Cho do a draft like through Google Hangouts, but like, how does it compare to Shadows? How do you like it? Like, how, what's, what's the difference basically between the formats? Well, the archetypes are definitely more pronounced, like you're definitely doing different things. Like, uh, I think the biggest change from the Shadows uh, format is the blue-red spells deck. I'm really afraid of that one. It's uh, definitely really good, and uh, I actually got killed on turn five in round one of the tournament by Valentin Mackle. He played uh, uh, Mercurial Geists on turn four, and then Uncaged Fury into Borrowed Hostility for 20 damage exactly. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Jesus. No, but I mean, I really like the limited format. I know a lot of people were not agreeing on this, but uh, like we thought white and black were like the best colors. And then like Ben Stark's article says like, oh, black and white are the worst. And I, I don't know. That's that's kind of what I was hearing too, is that black was like pretty bad. Blue black was especially bad. White was much worse. And it's obviously good in the shadows pack, but you only have one pack of shadows and there's like nothing super great in... Uh, Eldritch Moon, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, our, our team overall did fantastic and limited. Uh, I mean, Scott won the GP. Seth also top four. I guess Seth top eating a GP is not really anything. Any, uh, But I think we had, like, high 60s win rate and limited. And uh, we were just all playing white and black cards, and it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, Brazen Wolves is messed up. Also. Yeah, yeah, that card is really good. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I was hanging out with Brad last night, and he was singing that card's praises, and I was like, wait, which one is that? Oh, yeah, the 4-3. Yeah, <laughs> like, no drawback. We, gotcha. We called that card Unbeatable Wolf in Eureka. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> card is uh, pretty Brad messed said. up. But, uh, yeah, my, my draft decks were pretty funny. I, I have pictures of them, so we'll post them along with the show. But my first draft, I was uh, a mono black in the first pack, and then uh, I opened an Arlen cord, 
and like nothing else. Uh, but I, I, I drafted a Terrarian previously, so I, uh, I, t- I hedged because my rare was Game Trail and my flip rare was Arlencord. So I took the Arlencord, wheeled the Game Trail, just kind of splashed some red cards <laughs> and this Arlencord off of uh, the Game Trail Warp Landscape, some basics, and the Terrarian. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at your deck now. You have brazen wolves, spiteful motives, reduced ashes, and then a bunch of black cards. And yeah. you also have you have two graph rats and two midnight scavengers. How often did you get to meld stuff? Oh yeah, I melded a lot this tournament. My second deck also had uh, graph rats scavenger. We uh we valued scavenger super high, um, and it did not disappoint. It's just a fantastic card, and the the combo is really powerful. And it was definitely cool to plus Arlen cord on a gigantic creature. <laughs> That does seem great. Second deck was just like, you know, black-white stuff. It was, good. it was a good deck, solid. Um, definitely lacking on rares, which is normally a marquee of an Andrew draft deck. But, uh, you know, it was solid. It had two certain deaths, Throttle, Ruthless Disposal, Thalia. Oh, it had Slayer's Plate. That was the card that carried me most of the matches. It was really good in there. Yeah, it seems like a lot of your creatures are pretty small. But again, you have two scavengers in this deck. Yeah, so. I don't know. My second pod was just a murderer's rose. So good. Well, I heard that a lot because like the, the Pro Tour is only 300 people, right? Yeah. And uh, it was just like every pod is just like seven nut high DIs or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah. yeah, those are the only people that are there. You know, like the, the silver people like did not really show up, I think. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Like I only played three people who I didn't recognize immediately in the entire tournament. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was also a lot of fun because, like, that's definitely, like... Two Samurais! It's the Two Samurais thing! Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of weird, but uh, I really enjoy playing against good players, and I think it makes me play better. I know it's a little weird, but I I think my Pro Tour win rate is actually higher than my Grand Prix win rate. I I don't think that's that uncommon. Really? I mean, I, I, I think I agree with the notion that maybe playing against better players brings out the best in you, but I, I doubt that your, well, your this might be another topic for another show, too, but I think that there is something to be said for, like, knowing how to play against good players and knowing how to play against weaker players. Not good against the second one. Yeah, see, I mean, I've, I've played in, like, a lot of Opens and Grand Prix, and my Pro Tours, I basically only get to play, like, four rounds, and I'm, I'm generally, like, two and two or one and three or whatever. So, like, yeah, I play against, you know, weaker players a decent amount of the time. So I'm getting pretty good at beating those guys. <laughs> Yeah, so like my second pod was um like Ivan Flock, Lishi Tian, me, Yuta Takahashi, Louis Deltor, Jeremy Dazani, Andrew Cunio, and Paul Chion. It was uh it was definitely pretty stacked. Managed to get a two one out of it and was happy with that going into constructed knowing I could four one. I basically just uh six two six two'd and it was good enough. For for all the pro tours for that to happen, I, I think like this is certainly the best one because it was only three hundred people and only one person at X four missed. Yeah. So Yeah, definitely lucky on my part that the Pro Tour was only three hundred and two people, but uh I played two of the people in top eight in the Swiss, so I guess that's why my tiebreakers were so high. So why why did you play the deck that you did? Did your entire team play this deck? I saw that like Jarvis was playing it and maybe some other people. Yeah, so during the testing process, we had uh, four decks initially that we were very interested in. Going into the Pro Tour, uh, we had uh, the T-Merge deck, Black White Angels. I had it before the, well, when it did well on Star City. And uh, we also had the Black Green Delirium deck made by Ben White's, just solid deck. 
And we also had uh, my blue-white nice updated, which was also doing pretty well. Into testing, we kind of eliminated blue-white nice and uh, angels, and then started focusing more on T-Merge and black-green. So in the end, uh, eight players played black-green, and four players played teamer and merge on our, on our team okay which which deck was better for the tournament uh the team merge deck was definitely better but uh going forward i think the black green delirium deck might be better if you play some Kalidus, etc is your list pretty close to like sand parties and stuff yeah our list was pretty similar we had mind rack demons um in our deck instead of like the sylvan advocates and uh, a couple of other stuff but pretty much nearly identical didn't play ultimate price another card's pretty weak i think I feel like the more people I talk to, they just like all agreed that if they just cut Grimflare from their quote-unquote black-green delirium deck, that their deck would have been better. A common problem that we were having with our black-green delirium deck post-sideboard was like actually getting delirium, because like you would cut like Grimflare or something. But uh, I don't know, there are, uh, the East-West Bowl black-green was like pretty good at achieving delirium. Like we even played uh, Crawling Sensation in our sideboard. For, like, I, I saw that. I was pretty excited about that one. Yeah, it was really, really good in testing, and I think more people should pick up that tech. It's uh, it's pretty strong. That's one of my favorite cards in limited. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, when you're like taking out all these um, delirium enabling cards, like you actually lose delirium, which is like your the the marquee thing of the deck. So like putting crawling and cessation in your deck, like guarantees that. And plus, like if you're binning stuff with like evolving wilds, um, grim flare, mind rack demon, you can just get mad insects which is, which are not irrelevant in this metagame like you can block some sylvan advocates pretty great maybe maybe combine that with an evo leap or something i mean yeah maybe i mean i'm just i'm kind of a uh, infatuated with that card so you're a dreamer you're a dreamer so evo leap or crawling sensation like i know you have a thing for enchantments because dan ward told me uh certainly evo leap but i mean if we're gonna put crawling sensation in our deck why not just have both no no okay. fear of the dromokas command I mean, you have crawling sensation in your deck. I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess so. You can always let's all let's sack our bad card. Yeah, they're probably not even going to use a command to, to hit the sensation. They're like, I don't care. Okay, so why why did you end up playing the emerge deck instead of black green, or like e- even just like your team in general for the people that played each deck? Like, why did the four people play choose to play the emerge deck? Uh, so like the biggest attraction to the emerge deck was that, you know, like some people from our team like came in kind of like gradually over the course of the week, right, for testing. And every time like they initially played against our emerge deck, they didn't know what was going on, right? And they got beat very easily and didn't play correctly at all, right? Yeah. Basically, what put it over the edge for me is like the surprise factor on it, like if nobody knows what you're trying to do, then with like this this sort of strategy of like locking out your opponent's lands, it can be like pretty potent. People are playing Ruinous Path instead of Murder. Like you definitely have a big advantage over them. I don't know if I said that correctly. No, you're right. I mean, when when Majors and I started working on these decks, it was like, oh man, like you know what what is a card that kills elder deep fiend in the upkeep you know like there's stasis snare there's murder there's like titan's presence if you also are playing elder deep fiend and it was just like man like if if this deck is popular like people are going to need to do this yeah it is definitely one of the or the hardest decks i've ever played with there are so many options so many tutors like 
when you when you have half of your deck in the graveyard and you play grapple from the past you just have a potential of like 30 options you could do and like there's so much going on it was really testing and that's why some people didn't play the deck on our team like they just gotten there they hadn't they hadn't like played as many games that i had with the deck and they were like yeah there's no way i can pilot this correctly during the tournament and like ari and jarvis and pascal were the other people who play the deck and like at the end of the tournament they're like man we made so many mistakes and really wish we could have practice this more because we could have definitely killed it yeah i don't know that, that, that feels like oh we have this broken thing but it's like kind of hard to play so i'll just play like mopey green black delirium instead that doesn't seem like a great decision to me but i mean that's literally what happened so was it because you were familiar with the deck that you chose to play it or was it just like eh, whatever i'll figure it out I mean, I was quite familiar with it, plus you guys know my aversion to black-green-x mid-range mirrors. <laughs> I do, and I, I think that would have been hilarious, but... Reed Duke was playing red-green ramp. He would have had no problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I would have had no problem. I don't know. It, it, it just seemed like a better choice for me. I really like surprising people. I don't know why why I do so much. Yeah, just the surprise value of here's a deep fiend, here's another deep fiend, here's another deep fiend, you're dead, was uh pretty nice. So do we want to talk about how this kind of came to be? Uh, sure. Like, how how did how did you and Majors both end up playing the same deck in the tournament? I don't know what you say six six cards off. I'll let uh, Michael tell the uh, tell the origin story. I don't know. I kind of just so basically like first couple weeks, so we were producing content for Star City and the spoiler was coming out and stuff. Like me and Jerry obviously assumed that like deep theme plus K return is is one of the most powerful things you can do. And uh, we, we talked about the Blue-Red Emerge deck and kind of assumed it was the best deck in the format with the information that we had at the time. As uh, things progressed a little bit and like Liliana the Last Hope got spoiled, that proved in and itself to be a really big problem for the deck because like originally we were utilizing enablers like uh, Elder, or excuse me, Eldrazi Sky Spawner and like even in like the very beginning we had like Hedron Crawler in the deck and like things along those lines. And uh, Pilgrim's Eye, which is a, a card I'll... Well, I'm sure both of us will talk about a little bit later because it ended up being a really important part of the strategy. And uh, a lot of people registered Pilgrim's Eye in this tournament across. Hell yeah. Decks. But yeah, basically, like, the Blue-Red deck was kind of, like, this hyper-focused, like, Delver deck almost, where you had to, like, chip shot your opponent a little bit and then, like, upkeep deep fiend them and maybe, like, immediately sacrifice your Sanctum, like, your fourth or fifth land to get another deep fiend and then you had to, like, hit them for five and then hit them for ten and then eventually, like, kill them. And, like, the deck was very powerful, but it was kind of, like, a very a linear strategy and uh, had some, like I said, some inherent weaknesses to Liliana and, like, specifically removal. Like, if somebody had just, like, murdered your first deep fiend during their upkeep, like, sure, you kind of time-walked them or whatever, but then you have no threat and you, like, invested a lot of resources. And in addition to that, Grapple of the Past was a card that I had an eye on because it seemed very, very good. And obviously this stage, like, people have kind of figured it out and a lot of people played it in a lot of different decks and... It's pretty clear that Grapple with the Pass is just actually one of the best cards in Eldritch Moon. But I think the card that most people didn't play with or find or however you want to call it is Primal Druid. Mm-hmm. Best card in the deck. And what Primal Druid does is, A, it's it's something that you can play on turn two that actually gets on the battlefield. It is not vulnerable to Liliana. It's an enabler where if your opponent kills it because they're trying to keep you off an emerge creature, then you get a land, so it's not really like painful or whatever. And then it also enables turn four Wretched Griff very consistently, which was a very powerful card against Bant Company's Flyers and allowed you to like 
flashback care returns on the cheap and build some velocity, get some resources. The, the way I kind of look at it is the, the first deck that I built was kind of the aggro deck, which is where Andrew's deck evolved into. The deck that I played and a couple people in Eureka played was kind of like the mid-range deck, which I'll talk about in a second. And then Owen's deck is the combo deck. The thing I really like about Primal Druid is, like, since you have a two and a three, it's really hard for them to keep you off of Emerge Fodder with just Reflector Mage. It was, like, very very frequently that you just played two, two twos on turn four. Like, you would, like, Grapple or Gather plus Primal Druid or, like, Primal Druid plus Jace. And then, like, your opponent's kind of in a tough spot. And you can even just, like, jump block, jump block with Primal Druid and, like, work towards something else, which is, in itself, is, like, pretty significant. Yeah, or even just gain six life against their Advocate or Duskwalk Recruiter or whatever. Like, I think Primal Druid is great. And I think there's still a lot of exploration to be done there. Like, Majors was sending me lists with, like, you know, Sadiqsi's Faithful and stuff like that. Just, like, a lot of different ways to actually abuse the card. Even when looking at, like, Owen's deck, it's just, like, is, is Pilgrimai... Like better than Primal Druid? Like, should Druid be in this deck? Like, I don't know. It kind of, it kind of feels like maybe it should be. I think like his gnarl. How do you even say it? Gnarl. Gnarl root dryad. It's gnarl. It's gnarl wood. I think. Uh, gnarl wood. Yeah, I kept, I kept calling it gnarl root, and then I just actually read the card for once. I also had to learn all. This is a complete side note, but I had to learn all the Eldritch Moon cards in French, because that was those are the packs we had. Oh jeez. So like. I didn't actually know any of the names of the cards, but I knew what they did. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, like that's the card that stands out to me as like potentially the card you can cut for Primal Druid in that deck, and 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 that like small detail makes me think that people just miss Primal Druid. Sure, I mean, I I do like the fact that, that like I said, I played Owen's deck a little bit. I played it in regionals, and I I played a few leagues with it and stuff, so I'm like pretty familiar with the deck at this point. But I I really like that the Dryad is just like a one mana card because you play like. Vessel on one, and then you have a bunch of different options for two drops between, like, Gather, Pop Vessel, Cast Grapple, whatever. And then turn three, you're often left with, like, just the spare mana. And I think that's the turn that you can, like, gather the pack for the Dryad, play it, and have a blocker, whereas, like, Primal Druid just, like, adds to your glut of two mana cards. So I don't think that you can necessarily cut the one drop for it, and Pilgrim's Eye... You know, it, it, like, sets up for the Deep Fiend as much as just, like, is a thing to stack for the Deep Fiend, too, whereas Druid doesn't necessarily do that. But I do feel like Druid is very good. I just don't know where it fits. Yeah, D- Druid was definitely one of the one of the breakout cards for me. It's actually pretty funny. My, uh, my Grixis Zombies opponent played a Wharf Infiltrator on turn two, and then I played a Primal Druid, and he immediately <laughs> lost the game. <laughs> <laughs> you you had a lot of outs there to be fair though because you can play a jace too yeah jace primal druid they pretty much embarrass that card uh since <laughs> since majors is gone uh, i guess andrew like why why the six card difference between the original list that uh majors had and like, discuss what you think about the changes, like, he ended up making to the deck, like, moving towards, like, Spider and all that stuff. Yeah, sure. So, originally, like, we played some games, like, before the full spoiler was even out. I didn't even get his list, but, like, I, I you know, we played against him. I played against him enough times to, like, figure out, like, what, what, like, what cards were in his deck, right? You know, so I built that list, and that was the list I was playing with for a while in our testing. After we realized that Liliana was going to be a good card... You know, there was four foul emissary in the deck, and that card just completely gets embarrassed by Liliana. So we cut it completely, 
um, in favor for Shaman of the Forgotten Ways, which ended up being an absolute all-star. And uh, the one copy of the Nissa. And then uh, we changed the mana base a little bit. We added a Woodland Stream, which ended up being fantastic. And uh, I think added the fourth Lumbering Falls because that, that one was essential for the deck. So I think a lot of people, us included for sure, like me and Majors, you look at Deep Fiend and you're like, oh man, if I could like play a three drop that, you know, gets me some value on turn three and then I merge it on turn four, that's just awesome, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people got kind of like pigeonholed on that and like only built around it. And you see decks like Owen where it's just like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll sack off like a Pilgrim's Eye and that's kind of cool. Or I can, you know, sack a, a Gnarlwood Dryad or whatever. But he's also just like fine hard casting it, you know, it just like... He's not jumping through hoops to like try and make Deep Fiend great as far as just like the emerge and getting value and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people just got kind of caught up on that. Yeah. And that that's where I think like the, the Primal Druid thing, you know, people kind of miss that because it's not as good. Like it is great if you're playing four Griff because it's the same thing where you just get to like emerge a thing on four. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people are like, oh man, like Primal Druid into Deep Fiend. Like I have to wait until turn five to do it. So it's less good. Plus this thing's like not attacking my opponent in the meantime. And then I get a land, you know, what am I going to do with this land? Who cares? Yeah. And then, yeah, you look at Follow Emissary and it's like, man, I get a three, two, maybe another Deep Fiend, whatever. But there are just so many problems with, you know, as Majors pointed out, just like being linear and trying to go like three into a merge card. So I, I think it is odd the direction that you took where you're like, oh, I'm going to play these Shaman of Forgotten Ways that, you know, help me cast my Deep Fiends. But if you have to emerge them, you just do it for no value. But I think it's also just like very clever, too, because it, it makes you so explosive. Yeah, that Shaman was definitely the breaker every time I played some sort of Emerge Mirror. When I get to play it on three and they're playing some guy they want to sacrifice, like I can just get so ahead. Like I can play Shaman, untap, play a Primal Druid and still be able to emerge off my Shaman of the Forgotten Way. And I've just gotten ahead on two mana. And if it survives, I can get ahead on four mana, six mana, etc. But on a point you were talking about earlier where like, I think early on, I'd said this before, like emerging on turn four, like with Deep Fiend or Mindbender, like it sure looks appealing, but rarely did I ever like emerge on turn four. It was more like identifying the spot where I had enough resources to turn the game where I would just repeatedly DP them on their upkeep and then attack them. It's not about like yeah. time locking them once. It's about like establishing when you put your lock into place. Yeah, I like that a lot because you can start the train on turn four, right? But you don't really want to because you generally don't have a lot of pressure. Yeah, you don't like have the resources to keep up the chain on turn four. like. Yeah, so I think it is better if like Deep Fiend is kind of just like the last card you play. Yeah. And you're just like a normal deck otherwise. Yep, that's pretty much what it was. Like, you know, you'd play Primal Druid or Jace and you'd play Mattery Shaper and then you'd play like gather a grapple plus another two drop then you're kind of set up for the plan because like primal druid can keep you getting ahead matter shaper keeps you getting ahead and like jace coslex return like they all kind of like work in harmony to get it going like you don't have to fire off your fire it off immediately you have to identify the spot where you're like okay he's gonna do this and at this point i'm gonna do this in which case he's locked out 
How many times did you get to get people like misbind click style? That's how I won majority of my games, like ambushing some creature. Oh, I never really like ambushed a creature. No, oh, I, I just meant like okay, so there's the old misbind click thing, right? Where it's like sorry, I'm, you I'm know, new. But, you're gonna have to explain it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I thought we might have talked about this. So like level zero is just like I'm gonna play this on your upkeep and tap you out, right? Sure. And then and then it's just like. Well, then then they know I have a four four, they're tapped out, so they can't attack. So maybe I'll just hold it because you know good players are going to like attack and then play stuff in uh main phase B, right? Mm -hmm. So then they're like, Oh, attack you with my two two, and you're like, Oh, miss one click, tap you out, and eat your thing. Yeah. And and then there was just like this nice leveling thing where before it was like, you know, you say go, they're like, upkeep, do you have any effects? And you're like, no, and they're just like, Okay, great, he doesn't have a miss by click. And then it was like, all right, your turn, go. And they're like, upkeep. And you're like, I don't have any effects. And they're like, crap, does he have a miss button click? Like, can I attack? And then it's just like, if you, you know, play something main phase A to try and get use out of your mana, and they're just like, you know, cryptic counterbounce your thing or whatever. So like, there was there was a big tension there. And I, I think a lot of the time people were just like, oh, well, if he had Deep Fiend, he would have cast it here. But your deck was not trying to do that necessarily. So I feel like... You might have had a lot of options to just like ambush their creature in combat, but then again, you have a bunch of like sticky stuff, so maybe they don't even want to get into combat with you. Yeah, um, like I would aggressively trade off like my Mattery Shapers, because like no matter, like the worst thing you can flip off Mattery Shaper is like Kozlex Return, Gather, or Grapple. Yeah, Most I was going to say any, anything you have to invest mana into is probably not great. Yeah, but. like lands, other fodder, like I think about more than half of the deck just comes into play off of Mattery Shaper. So, like, trading it off early is definitely, like, a really good plan. And plus, like, they have to invest two cards into it. Like, you watch one of my top eight games, like, uh, Sam attacks his advocate into my Mattery Shaper, and I'm like, snap block. And then I flip a Jace off it, and he's like, oh, well, ultimate price that. That's the exact stuff you want to happen in those matchups. Yeah, I, and I like, you know, you having the freedom to actually play that way as opposed to, like, with our decks where, like, play Mana Reshaper and then it's just this thing that doesn't attack or block. It's just, like, some stupid enchantment that gets sacked, basically. You know, just be, being proactive and, like, you're not trying to do, like, one exact thing. You're pretty flexible and, you know, like, you can deep fiend, you can accrue value. Like, there were a lot of games in testing where it just came down to, like, me having, like, a million cards in my hand, like, too many options just because, like... You know, Jace with flashback on Gather or Grapple, like you can get this like huge like advantage engine running that like you can just bury your opponent and you don't have to be like on pins and needles and like, oh man, I really hope my Deep Fiend survives. It's more along the lines of, oh yeah, you just have no chance because I have infinite stuff. Yeah, you just have the world's fair, right? You you can just like access whatever card you want, basically. Yeah. So you had like the weirdo traversy stuff in your sideboard. Yeah. Which is reasonable. I get it. I understand what you were doing there. You might have to explain it for other people. But, like, uh, as far as, like, Major's deck is concerned, I and, and actually just, like, watching the whole tournament, too, like, do you like your strategy, uh, even even if it's just for the Pro Tour, but maybe for going forward, where you're, like, you know, kind of honed in, your deck is kind of like this lean, mean machine, or do you like going more towards, like, the traverse style stuff where you have some like spiders and you're building towards Emrakul and stuff like that. Like how did you feel against the Emrakul decks? Cause I think that's going to be a pretty big thing going forward. Uh, I felt like any sort of Emrakul deck, I was a heavy favorite against um, just because I was so much better at deep fiending than they were or repeating repeatedly deep fiending. Like I played ramp twice in the tournament. It was just not even close. Your deck is better equipped to deep fiend 
and you essentially have more copies of Deep Fiend with Sanctum and Grapple than they would normally have. So, like, even if they Deep Fiend you, you can Deep Fiend them back in spades or whatever. Like, but so, so you you kind of like being like sleeker. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely want to be more lean, more mean. You know, in, in terms of Michael this deck, like he was definitely. I know you guys were definitely concerned about the Bant matchup. That's why you had uh, like the Ishkana stuff, right? Yeah, pretty much. What, what I talked about earlier with kind of being afraid of being like hyperlinear is the reason I kind of built my deck in the way I did because Ishkana just gives you like two or three turns of reprieve against Bant Company, and then you can leverage that to like start either, like you said, kind of build up this chain of deep fiends or just actually just turtle up until you Emrakul them. I mean, I, I like the strategy. Um, it's definitely um, more like middle to the ground and like not being as risky. But you know, in a in a pro tour field, like I'm, I'm more sympathetic to the idea of like, oh hey, let's play something. Either it's either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. So that's why we went with uh, our version. Or I mean, I didn't. I, I never even considered like traverse Emrakul Ishkana. But I mean, I know you guys did really well with it. So. I'd like to hear your kind of like origin story on how that came about. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, kind of, we, we just uh, sort of, you already talked about Bow of of it kind of being like the, the worst card in the deck or however you want to frame it. But uh, I, I built the original deck as like a, a proof of concept. Like, okay, it's just as pushed as hard as it can be, like just pure synergy and like just to see if it works. And, and obviously it did. So at that point, you kind of start to, to trim the, the excess fat and kind of actually build a, a, a tuned deck. I mean, it, t- it took like a lot of hoops to get to, to where we were at the end result. But at some point, uh, we had like the Jun Delirium deck on, on half of the squad, and we figured out like how good Emrakul was. It, it made sense to try to take the, the Rug deck in that, or Teamer deck, excuse me, in that direction. And Pilgrim's Eye was kind of like the, the card that kept impressing me the most, because any draw that involved like Playing turn three Pilgrim's Eye or Gather a Grapple on turn two into it means you had Delirium on five for Ishkana. And if you could play Ishkana on turn five, then like it's going to be really hard for Planeswalkers to pressure you from like green white. It's going to be impossible for Bay Company to kill you. And at that point, you just have like the world's fair to set up. And as far as like the traverse package, it kind of just like came about incidentally because like once once you're like pushing the deck hard towards like Pilgrim's Eye and Ishkana, like traverse is the, the ultimate card with Jade. It just becomes like the, the pure tutor. You can either just find your one of Emrakul or, uh, you know, find a DP. Or we had, like, one Lash Week Lurker, which was pretty good for, like, making sure we didn't die to Liliana randomly. Yeah, I was also impressed with uh, Lash Week Lurker when I played with it. You guys only had one Sanctum, right? Yeah, that, that's that's definitely that was something I was going to bring up shortly. It's, it's something that I kind of regret. That's not the right word, but, like, maybe if we had, like, more time, we could have figured out a way to incorporate more Sanctums in the deck. I thought, like, the mana base was, was certainly, like, an issue. And you guys went as hard as, like, playing, like, five uh, ETP blue-green tap lands in a woodland stream, which is which is a path I never even remotely considered. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of doing the same thing. You just have two Evolving Wilds and three Lumbering Falls. Yeah, but, like, Lumbering Falls, or excuse me, Evolving Wilds is, like, pretty important for incidentally giving you Delirium as well, which was something we needed. Yeah, I mean, you have Grapple, Gather, and Jace. Yeah, you know, you, you might want to, like, play a two-drop on turn two, and, like, maybe your Jace doesn't live, and then, like, suddenly you don't have a land in your graveyard. Like, it's, it's a small thing, but but I think it all... No, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. And honestly, like, I just didn't think the numbers worked on paper. Like, I, I ran the numbers a bunch, and I just didn't feel like I could put more Sanctum in my deck. Yeah, Sanctum ended up being, like, the most important card in our deck, which was, like, 
you know, just setting up, being able to set up the loop after getting ahead on resources with Mattery Shaper and uh, Primal Druid. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. And you guys had like Shaman the Forgotten Way, which kind of alleviates some of the problems with getting like double blue when you're like, also, if, if you draw like a forest and a sanctum, like maybe double blue is pretty hard to get, but you have Shaman, which helps with that. Uh, we actually cut our Mattery Shapers, which I think is the biggest point of contention in the deck list, uh, which is something I haven't talked about yet, but. Yeah, that's just another reason to not necessarily need as many colorless sources, too, right? So it's like, oh, well, if you have Reshaper in the deck, then you would need the Sanctums, basically. You would have to make it work. Yeah, so so that's, like, another thing. It's like, well, once we don't have Matter Reshaper, like, we don't need the Wastes. Uh, you know, we don't need as, need as many Sanctums. And also, once once you're just, like, kind of pivoting yourself towards this end game of, like, Ishkana into set up Emrakul via, like, Traverse, or you're one of Sanctum, which basically acted as a proxy Emrakul a lot of the time. You don't you don't really need the you know critical mass of, of deep fiends like you guys do in the game. Another uh, really great thing Sanctum would do for us is um, our sideboard was uh, like it had all these like excellent one of Eldrazi's like World Breaker, Eldrazi Obligator, and uh, Thought Knot Seer, which were uh, which turned out to be really good in the tournament. I searched up for Thought Knot, and Eldrazi displaced her a lot. Obligator. My, yeah, Obligator, yeah. End of turn, you can play Deep Fiend, tap like some lands and some creatures, and then crack your Sanctum, get Obligator, steal their biggest thing, hit them for a million. That's definitely one of the best things you could have done with the deck. And we discovered the Obligator tech like Thursday morning and like played some games with it and were immediately in love with it. So that was excellent. Yeah, I, I like that aspect of your deck a lot. We had like a very a far less pronounced version of that. We had two reality smashers and an obligator in our sideboard and a, and a second sanctum to kind of facilitate that. But uh, you guys were definitely more of like a pure bullet sideboard. And, and honestly, like our sideboard was not great. So there, there, there is a chance that kind of moving towards your direction just because of your sideboard might, might be a thing. We had like some, some negates, some tireless trackers, some radiant flames, which are kind of duds. They did like their, their role or whatever, but we didn't sideboard very much in many matchups. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think teamer just doesn't have that many great options. And yeah, I'm looking at your article majors and it's just like, you know, sideboarding guide minus three plus three or whatever, like just every matchup. Yep. But like, you know, the, there are things like the dryad that you could play the Heary's wrath. Owen had a coax, which I think is fine if you have more Embercles, but kind of pointless if you're only playing one and then sideboarding one. I, th I think that's actually for infinite obliteration. Yeah. No, I know. But like, I mean, so if, if black white plays against you, like, you know, Emrakul is probably the card that they're worried about, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually think it makes less sense in his deck than, like, the other versions just because of Jace, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so my sideboard, we had uh, four Traverse and then a bunch of one-ofs and then some anti-White Weenie stuff with uh, Radiant Flames and Noose Constrictor, which I never actually ever sided in because I didn't really play against those. They were kind of doing dual duty against, uh, like, some sort of Bant Spirits or Spirits deck. Yeah, never played against that. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. Um, on our little sheet, we had uh, since the deck only has five main deck red sources, the traverses in the sideboard would actually come in against mono red because you need you need to find the mountain in your deck to play the radiant flames or the Kozilek's return, which is pretty sweet. Do you feel like you could have saved sideboard slots by potentially like playing some traverses in your main? Not really. We only have four types in our deck, and there are only four sorceries in the four gather the pack. So okay. achieving delirium is actually not very reliable. But after sideboard, you get to put in more traverses and you get to put in the Kiora, which adds some more types. So it makes that a little bit better. 
Also, Kior was just an all-star for me. Anytime I played the black-green Delirium mid-range, it's good at find. It's good at fueling your Emrakul, and uh, it's just fantastic with Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. You can just net so much mana, uh, like Shaman into Kior and to untap it. That's like you're just going off at that point. Yeah. I would actually like to build a version of your deck that is just main deck Kior and an Emrakul, and just see what happens because I do like that interaction with Shaman a lot. Yeah, Kior was definitely um, an all-star. Like really overperformed. I think we should have played a third one, but uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Also, if you just played Pilgrim's Eye, then all the, all of those issues would have magically disappeared. <sighs> God, I just, I just, I'm just so not interested in playing stuff that dies to Liliana. Yeah, but like, I, I don't, so so for me, and I'm talking a little bit out of turn here because I didn't actually watch all of the games in your top eight. I watched the first two was sad and then like wandered off to get food or something mm-hmm. um dick i well i needed the food let's just put it that way <laughs> fair i i don't it's okay i forgive you but um it, it seems like if, if you had emrakul in your deck you would have been much more a favorite in the first two games i i don't disagree with that like that matchup definitely like he he has a lot of answers for my early stuff and uh it can it can devolve into a if you, I mean, if you watch the games, like the first game, like I, I thought I was in a winning position. I had the Jace. I had uh, three draw steps that if I top decked a grapple or a gather, like the game was going to be over. But I drew Lance instead. But that's fine. And then the second game, he played fantastic. Like I, I think I made a mistake attacking my Lumbering Falls until his Liliana when I should have assumed he had another Liliana and I should have uh, should advance my board state. And then he. Played the second one and then just turboed him into Emrakul faster, and that was a uh, that was a problem. So yeah, I mean, if I had Emrakul in my main deck, sure, I would have been a little better off in game one. But uh, I think you sacrifice too much of your sleekness if you like put Traverse in your deck and uh, like more types in general that don't meld to the uh, I guess mesh with the plan of like finding the Deep Fiend chain. Sure. I, I just think, like, I don't know, I think moving forward, kind of blending the two, like, the more aggressive and the more mid-range version, I think I think there's something there that you can just, like, actually make the best version of the deck. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a funny story, we actually almost registered Somberwald Stag in our sideboard just for Kalidus. That's dope. Yeah, that, that's, that, that card was, was a problem for us as well. That's, that's a reason we were considering Nahiri's Wrath, but it ended up not being something we wanted to play with. Yeah, also, like, you just have to draw Nahiri's Wrath, and if you mill it, you, like, even if you have Jace, like, your Jace is probably going to die in that matchup. We considered Roast and Nahiri's Wrath, but, yeah, we are definitely off it. When when you started saying, like, yeah, that card was, like, a problem for us, too, I thought you were talking about the Stag, and I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I just killed my Primal Druid, and I just, I needed it. Yeah, yeah now I get, now he has a 4-3, how do I beat that? <laughs> That's that, that's definitely a case of going a little too deep. At least, like, oh, Nahiri's yeah. Wrath is, like, kind of deep, but it's a mythic rare, so you don't feel that bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it can, like, proxy is your Radiant Flames, right? Like, I think that's... Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, like, the least bad part. Yeah, you could, play, like, you could play, like, two Radiant Flames, one Nahiri's Wrath to hedge a little bit in both directions. If you wanted. Sure. Going forward, like, if I had to play Lucas in the semifinals, his three main deck Kalidus is just... Would have been too much, I think. Yeah. In a five-game set, like I, I think he would have had the advantage just because he has three of that in his deck. I, I, I genuinely think that something like that little factor is a big reason why 
playing one Emrakul in your deck isn't significant enough of a cost for you not to play it. Like it just gives the deck sure. Attention. Go- going into the tournament, we didn't we didn't know that, right? Like we didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, like of course, of course. But that's why we're talking about it now. Is like how you sure moving forward. That's definitely like a place you want to be. Oh man, I just I really wanted to play against Gen Yukihiro in the semifinals. That would have been the nuts. So I guess. I don't know. So where I'm at with Standard right now is that like Emrakul is obviously a very big deal. And if you are one of the decks that is just kind of like dabbling in Emrakul, like I would say Major's deck is or Brad's deck from the Pro Tour where it's just like, oh, I'm like this, you know, controlling deck with a bunch of traverses and one Emrakul. And like eventually I'll use that to win the game. Like you're just going to get manhandled by the decks that have infinite self mill and three Emrakuls. So what I've been trying to do is just like, oh, build a deck that goes faster, right? Like that's like level zero kind of thinking for like where we are now. And I haven't been super happy with it. So yeah, I don't know. I basically don't know what to do now as far as like where to be in the Emrakul rat race. That, that's why I think like maybe Shaman the Forgotten Way and maybe like I, I would try Kiora. Who knows if it's actually a good main deck card, but so something along those lines seemed really appealing to me. So I was playing Shaman in Red Green. Like, I I basically wanted green cards, and I didn't really want anything else, but I did want to play a Planeswalker and, you know, maybe Hardcast Kozilek's Return. Also, that's another thing that I kind of want to talk about, is, like, once we figured out that, like, you don't even necessarily be red to play Kozilek's Return, like, that's that's kind of when all this stuff started happening, I think. Yeah, a lot of shenanigans. They're, like, the the Sultai decks that have it in the deck, too, you know? Like, you, you just don't need a mountain. Uh, I, I actually disagree with this point. Like, I, I think that once you understand that you don't have to be that red, that, that's, like, kind of a key point. But if, if you lose a game because, like, you can't play your K return, like, that's just embarrassing. Dude, whatever. I would just have, like, Jace, and if I didn't have Haunted Dead, I would have, like, two news constrictors or something, and I'd just be fine with it. Yeah, a lot of the Japanese players had... Uh advanced stitch wing and uh stitch wing scab which was pretty sweet i gotta say yeah i, I tried that yeah. i think it's hot garbage well okay what, what do we do what what is the way to beat the emrakul mirrors if you also want to be the dude playing emrakul i mean deep fiend into emrakul them is pretty good yep into flashback care turn so you're but you're you're faster at doing this than Owen's deck. So you think that you guys like have an edge in these mirrors? I honestly don't know because there's no guarantee that you can kill Owen's deck before it actually just Emrakul's you back and then at that point like right. you know, maybe they can start to pull ahead. So our our plan in like the emerge mirrors was to board in Reality Smasher and Titan's presence, and then at that point, like your deep fiends are probably good enough. Okay. Because then you can like Leverage your aggression a little bit, maybe get their deep fiend off the table so they don't have a blocker, and then like you just like tend them, and then even if they have Emrakul, presumably you can finish the game out. Yeah. Well, crap. I was I was a little too busy this week, and I didn't get as much time to test as I would have liked. So I, I don't think I ever actually got around to playing games with your deck majors. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe 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 I should have. And like the issue was like I had played games with it like two weeks ago. So I was like, oh, I'll play with these things that are, like, new to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that, like, our list was very, very good. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm upset to, like, not do well with a PT, just generally speaking, because I was playing for something relevant. But, like, I think our deck was great. And, like, our record was 22 and 8, including my three losses and excluding three draws. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yep, that's, that's pretty insane. Uh, our record was not as good as that. My teammates made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> But, uh, How did you do? 
Rate rate your play like one to ten throughout the course of the tournament, both formats. Limited. I don't think I made any mistakes. Constructed. No mistakes. Limited master. Well, no. I mean, like in the sense that there were any mistakes would would have been like nothing too visible. Like there would have been anything that I like could have picked up. Like from my limited point of view, not not limited as in limited, but limited as in drafting. Like I, I thought I did pretty well. I definitely made a mistake in round 13 against Sam Party. He plussed his Liliana on my Shaman, and then I fired off a K return without tapping it, and I felt really dumb. Mm. Yeah. I actually, I did something similar on my video. My opponent uh, plus one on my Deep Fiend, and then I played a Deep Fiend, and I was like, oh, I could just like tap his creatures, but I kind of just want to like K return to kill these two zombies and then like attack his planeswalker. And then I K return and my deep fiend just died. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I am dumb. And then again in the top eight in game two, I shouldn't have attacked down his Liliana with my lumbering falls. I think that was a mistake. I should have uh, advanced my board. But those are the only like things that stand out to me in, in sort of like, oh, that was definitely a mistake. Sure, but just like, you know, generally, how did you feel? Do you feel like you were on top of your game? Like, were you crisp? Were oh, you yeah. able to like process well, things quickly? Definitely. I, I, like, I love playing at the Pro Tour. I love playing against good players. And that's all that happened that weekend. And I just had a blast. Awesome. Okay, so uh, let's, let's talk about GP Portland real quick to wrap this up. Because uh, Andrew and I are going. Majors is, I don't know, maybe dying. Yeah, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if you can... Hopefully we can get all of my coughs edited out, but there's been a few throughout this episode, but I feel like total but crap. You you sound a, lo- a little bit better than when we started. Maybe it's just like waking up, I don't know. But yeah, you you make it home safely to Roanoke and you know get some rest and everything. I am playing the Mox, so I have that. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, you know, get home today and then rest tomorrow or something, I don't know. Uh, GP Portland, this weekend... I uh, started talking to Andrew this morning. I uh, kind of forgot. Uh, I didn't forget that he was West Coast, but like, I don't know. Andrew doesn't go to a ton of GPs. I certainly should not be going to this Grand Prix. I go to a ton of GPs. What are you saying? How many How many Grand Prix points did you have this year? Three, 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 two, two. That's not bad. Okay. That's that's better than I thought, I'll admit. Uh, anyway, yeah, we're, we're both going to Portland, and he was like, hey, I think I want to play Band Company. I was like, I think I want to play Band Company. And then we're we're talking shop a little bit, and it's like it's always great when you both kind of like come come to a silly conclusion that like everyone else would like probably laugh at you for. Like if I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna play a band company this weekend, doesn't that sound great? People would be like, what are you stupid? Yeah. But uh, I think Andrew and I are kind of on the same page. We're just like there there is a rat race right now. People are way more focused on Emerical Mirrors than beating Band Company, even though. You know, two were in the top eight and blah, blah, blah. Yep. But we were also just talking about, like, our sweet technology. And Andrew's just like, you know, I want to play Deep Fiend. And I was like, I want to play Deep Fiend. And then I was like, oh, but do you have the actual card? And, and I was Andrew's, like, what is the actual card? <laughs> you, I don't even think you were that excited. No, I, I, I'm excited. I, dude, I, you, I love well, you. No, no, no. You are now. But before you knew what the card was, I was like, dude, do you, do you have, like, the secret card? And you're just like, no, it's probably something stupid. Well, it is. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that. It was it was implied, man. Tone of voice. Uh, what, what was the first? What was the first card you suggested? Tamio. Like that you thought it was. It was. Tamio. Yeah, Tamio. Like, come on, man. Like well, that Tamio's was gas. Deck. Let's be let's be fair. It is gas, but it's not the card. I would not hype up Tamio. Anyway, the card. <laughs> okay. The card is is Days Undoing, and 
I'm excited about it. Uh, the gist is you play against these Emrakul decks and you know, you're, you're generally going to have like two or three things in play. They're kind of struggling to deal because they don't have a ton of spot removal or anything. And then basically the turn before they K return you or the turn before they Emrakul you, you just play this Days Undoing and you have pressure, you have a fresh hand and they have a fresh hand too and probably a bunch of lands, but they don't have any graveyard and like that's really what they need. Yeah. So you can also play like Learn from the Past, but I think that card is kind of stinky because it costs four and doesn't, you know, give you a fresh seven. So Yeah, I am stoked to play some Days Undoing. And Hell uh, yeah. another reason why I'm actually going to play Bant is because, you know, all these new Pro Tour decks, they're except for the black white one they're they're just so hard to play like emrakul as a card is a very difficult card to play and traverse the Ubenwald like compounds that effect like all these tutors and like again like different grapples and lines of play like they're they're really really complicated and like during the testing process like i would just make tons and tons of mistakes so just like going to a grand prix and like having the like the players who are not, like doing this like 10 hours a day like how are they going to cope with playing these extremely difficult decks? Like, I just want to kill the man and Bant's the best oh, at killing yeah. the man. Yep. Me, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I like, so my friend was like, hey, I'm going to uh, play in this Grand Prix. Like, what should I play? And I was like, dude, you're tight aggressive. You you just, you know, you should be trying to kill people. This is the thing that you do. This is what you do best. I was like, you should play Bant. And he's like, nah, I don't know. I don't really want to play Bant. And he was like, I kind of want to play like some crappy, you know, the rock deck or whatever. And I just like, went through the list of reasons like why I thought Bant was great right now and then like told him about days of doing it. I'm like, ah, I should just play this deck. Like, yeah, I, I think you I convinced yourself because it's like, I can always give the good advice, right? Like I am, I am good at, you know, talking to the person, figuring out what their strengths are, stuff like that. And just being like, this is the deck for you. Here's why, but I just never followed my advice. So this is the time where I'm going to accidentally do that. I do think that maybe Bant humans is slightly better than Bant company, but I think Bant Company has a bunch of sweeter cards. Yeah, so. I agree. Also, like, you know, when I was on the plane home, like, I was theorizing, and I was like, man, I really want to play Esper Dragons with Liliana and Jace and Kalidus and Transgress, and it's going to be great. And then I played with it on Moto for 10 games, and I played two leagues, and I played against the Blue-Red Fevered Visions deck five times, and I wanted to shoot myself in the face. <laughs> Blue-Red-Black, not nice. Yeah. Or blue, white, black, not nice. Yeah, blue, white, black, not nice. I, I, I fixed the Fever Vision matchup for the Emerald decks, by the way. Enlighten me. You just play Noose Constrictor. Uh, what do you play? You just play Noose Constrictor. Oh, that is a nice one. They, they can't kill it, and you never take Fever Vision damage. And you, you just kill them over the course of, like, three turns. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cute. I mean, also, like, it is a... Uh, I guess the motor results are skewed because it is a, quote-unquote, cheap deck. If we play it, if if it gets popular, like this is like a deck people like because it's you know it's cheap. So people like blue red decks too. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. I love blue red. I mean, Shivan <laughs> Reef is a hell of a card. Man, that cast that cast Fire Ice and Flame Tongue yeah. and Factor Fiction. Shivan Reef was in both of my top eight decks. That's how great it was. Oh wow! Shivan Reef, Thoughtnots here, and Eldrazi Obligator. Just that's really that's really cool. Carrying it, carrying me. And my, Eld yeah, so my Eldrazi like, Obligator has a cheetah stamp on it. It's very sweet. Nice. I still have a, a signed vile aggregate. Ooh. I'll sign your shiv and reefs. How about that? Dude, that'd be gas. Yeah, I'll make that happen this week. All right. Okay, so, yeah, someone asked me, like, what card has won you the most money or whatever. I asked you that. And I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I, I have Glacial Fortress, you have Shivan Reef. So that's awesome. Okay, so uh, for people going to Grand Prix Portland, Andrew and I will be there this weekend. I have no idea what Michael is going to next. I guess he'll be in the box. You can say hi to him there. I'll, I'll be in the Envy. Ooh, the Envy in, in New Jersey. That's exciting. Yeah, it's this weekend is the Mox in Portland, and the next weekend is the Envy. Okay, so I'll play standard this week to test that. You play modern this week to test that, and we'll be good to go. Sounds great. Beautiful. All right, Andrew, I'm excited to see you this weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, Michael, Michael, I'm excited to see you whenever I see you because it's been a while. But it has. Uh, that's yeah. it. So uh, two-time Pro Tour Top 8 competitor, Andrew Brown, uh, give us uh, that's game. Uh, all right, I'll try my best. That's game. That's game, Hendricks.